Hello, and welcome to Someday We'll All Be Dead, a podcast where we talk about all the things with a social work perspective. I'm your host, Hallie Harris, and I'm a hospice social worker. I'm here again with special guest Katie. Hello. It's good to be back. Thank you. And we figured we better do a little bit of a preemptive recording, just a a few minutes to prepare ourselves for what we're going to embark on today. Would you like to talk about that? Sure. Yeah, we are going into our second experiential. For those of you that heard the first very uh, tangential <laughs> conversation that Hallie, had, Hallie and I had after the first experience. With ketamine. With ketamine. Thank you. We are now going on our second adventure to kind of adjust the doses a little bit and see see what comes out of it. And more so than the doses, we're actually doing this via intermuscular shot today. So I'm very thankful that I do not have to hold that lozenge spit in my mouth. <laughs> Absolutely. But also, that will mean that we're going to go into the experience much faster. We are. It'll take about five minutes to take effect as opposed to, I think, 20 yeah. Was with the lozenge, the sublingual method. Yeah. And you know, I was thinking about it the other day and I thought, well, this is probably to me going to feel like the second wave hit me where I sat down, what do you mean? I was tired, oh, yeah. I had the spins and then bam, then I was, I there was no ramp up. I was just gone. Yeah. So this might actually be less <laughs> yeah. immediate for me than I already experienced. I, you know... I don't know what to expect from this, to be quite honest. Are you nervous? I'm almost more nervous just because... I'm so glad you said that because I am more nervous. I should not be more nervous. We should be comfortable, but I am also more nervous. Well, I think there's a level of comfort that I have that I didn't have before. Like, I definitely feel more confident going into it, knowing kind of of what to expect and... Mm -hmm. You know, um, so I feel better in that way. But there's also like a kind of a different kind of nerves. I mean, your reaction last time with the nausea and kind of this disassociation for a week. I mean, that was intense mm-hmm. um, for you, certainly. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, watching that alongside you. So that and also I really I didn't have as much of an experience uh, with the lozenges. So mm-hmm. part of me is like, OK, Right. This could be the opportunity, but I'm also like, what if it doesn't happen for me again today too? You know, I don't know. So yeah, it's kind of a different, different level of, you know, nerves. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that makes sense. And that's one thing we did talk about in our post experience next day debrief was people feeling that kind of disappointment or, you know, whether they should feel a certain way and, yeah. Of course, you you can't tell people to feel a certain way because you're going to feel what you're going to feel. But, right. you know, to, to know that that's, you know, as we say, the medicine knows what you need. And so if you need a full-on transcendental experience, then hopefully that's what you get. And if you don't, then then you don't. And how do you process that? Right, so, right. I am definitely up to about today and yesterday, I was less nervous yeah and then all of a sudden i have been just over anxious really hoping my blood pressure calms down oh hallie (laughs) we'll do we'll practice some deep breathing we'll do some Um, mindfulness before and it's not i mean that's the the thing is like logically i i did not have a bad experience the experience itself when i was 
having the medicine was not scary in any way. And I know what to expect with side effects. So at least I know like worst case, it's a week. Yeah. <laughs> and I've already got things in place to make sure that I'm treating my potential post symptoms right away. So hopefully it will not be that bad. And, yeah. and that's a level of comfort and knowing that there's other people going to be experiencing this with us. But still. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. Just to, to see. I think. Yeah. I think we should just approach this, you know, same, like just open mind. What will be will be, you know, and. Should we start singing Kesara? Are you too Are you too young for that song? No, I know that song. <laughs> We did establish Hallie is 11 years older than I am. Um, That's not what I meant. So now she's trying to <laughs> make it seem like I am a baby. That's fine. No, not at all. <laughs> I do know Kesarasara, but I don't think it's applicable. Fair. It's a sad song. <laughs> I don't know. <sighs> it's an acceptance song. It's an acceptance song. So I, I did just briefly as we're just finishing up these first few minutes before we head out, uh, want to talk about intention. I know before we, after the fact said we didn't really sit with an intention going into, at least I didn't Sure. sit with a, a really strong intention going into this. I didn't either. And I was thinking a lot about that this morning um, and trying to decide what I wanted to bring in as my kind of you know, object place on the altar to kind of channel my intention. And I have to tell you, I think I'm still going to be pretty open-minded without like a concrete intention. And I think that I'm hoping that that will allow me just to kind of like go where I need to go. Mm -hmm. I did bring a book that's uh, meaningful to me that a very good friend that has since passed away. She was a really big part of a change in my life about a decade ago. And so I'm hoping that maybe this book that is tied in with her will be kind of, you know, the strength and focus that I'm looking for. Great. Without something specific, yeah. Yeah, I, I similarly have been trying to focus my intention on one specific thing, and I have not come to a specific thing. And so I'm, I'm going to stick with the same totem that I had before, and now that uh, I'm just kind of going into, I hope that my experience is more focused and I think maybe it would have been better for me if I had had more time. Like I was just going into it as we were all pulling out mm -hmm. and I can see how that would have been beneficial. So like you, yeah. I'm going to lead it, let me be led into that space and hopefully it will give me what I need, I guess. So okay. We'll see. So. We'll see how long it takes us to recover from this, to be able to talk about it after. I don't know yeah. if we're going to be in a space tomorrow to be able to reflect or if we're going to need some time. So Yeah, I don't know. Last time I felt the benefit of really taking a few days to kind of process first. I mean, I felt like mm -hmm. that's why I was so kind of all over the board because I didn't really, I we hadn't really processed it ourselves yet. I think there's more time with something like this. Mm -hmm. But we'll see. We'll see where it takes us. Here right, we go. <laughs> here we go. To be continued. And uh, we'll pick up where we left off in some days. Sounds good. Okay. And we're back. Much later than we planned to be. <laughs> so, we just listened back to the first eight minutes of our 
pre-second dose, first IM situation. I forgot what we even talked about <laughs> before I heard <laughs> Intentions. It. Mostly intentions. Uh, and nerves. And nerves. <clears throat> uh, I would like to remind everyone listening again that our thoughts here are our own. They don't represent anyone else. These are just our personal experiences from this, uh, this endeavor that we're doing. Any preemptive thoughts you want to add? No, I appreciate that. I think, um, you know, with any therapeutic intervention, you're going to have a lot of different experiences and a lot of different ways to process those. So these are ours. (laughs) Yes. So we are coming to you at the beginning of August of 2021 after having, this is, well, the third, we'll get into that in a minute, but the third experience. Um, So let's just, Go back in time, back in time, back in time. (laughs) So what is great about these experiences is we have very different perspectives on them. So I'm going to suggest that we talk about both of them at the same time, both of the intermuscular shots. Sure. The first intermuscular shot was originally planned to have one dose for all of us. And a second dose, bolus dose option that none of us ended up taking. And we'll get into that in a little bit. The second IM shot was a planned shot with a planned for sure bolus unless you affirmatively said no. And I... we Let's just specify too for the sake of, you know, this is a research study and we are being, you know, as ethically sound as we can be. This was a really mindful, informed way to start. So just to remind the people, we are part of a bigger study that is hopefully going to be able to use ketamine in a way to alleviate anxiety at end of life for hospice and palliative care patients. Right. Potentially a lot of that existential pain that we work Um, primarily with our patients on um, and helping them process, you know, these stages and what comes next for them and their families. So in order for us as clinicians to feel comfortable with this, not only is it a requirement for the study that clinicians have an experience, but us as a small group want to ensure even more um, some of the protocols around it and making sure that we understand dosing because some of the other clinics that are involved have more experience. Right. Particularly because, too, when we come out of these sessions with patients, there is going to be a pretty extensive integration process Mm -hmm. where, as clinicians, we will be um, guiding people through the processing of what happened for them and how to translate that into something that is meaningful in their their lives and their deaths. So we have been full force into this plan um, (laughs) to see what this experience is like and figure out how we can best support our patients through this therapeutic method, therapeutic method. Yeah. So it might be easier instead of us both trying to explain what happened, it may be easier for me to just say briefly what happened to me just because, uh, I did not end up doing the second intermuscular shot. Yeah, and, and just really a quick reminder, yeah. the very first podcast we did was on when we did the, a lozenge experience. We used ketamine via lozenges, which was sublingual. We've since done two 
inner muscular doses. And well, you have since Well, done. I have. But the plan is we've since done two. So I think maybe we should refer to, we should say like I am one versus I am two so that you can kind of track which experiences we're referring to. Yeah. We're not really going to be talking about the lozenges as much. No, no. Uh, I mean, maybe a little bit of comparative for the lozenge, but you've already heard our full experience from the lozenge, so... As convoluted as it was. <laughs> and yeah, that was still, there definitely was a different prolonged integration period and coming back out of it, I felt like, with the lozenges. I think that's probably the most I would yeah, really sure. get into. It definitely was a different experience. It was a different onset uh, and, and it was a different coming out of it. Yeah. So Hallie, tell us about your experience. Um, with the IM session one and then subsequently session two. Yeah, yeah. So session one, I as I just explained in the first eight minutes when we were talking about this before, um, I was fairly anxious going in, mostly about side effects. I don't know that I was so much anxious about what was going to happen in the experience as I was about the side effects afterwards due to my terrible lozenge experience afterwards. There were some circumstances as we all gathered to start this. It ended up being pretty late in the day when we started I Am One. There were some feelings of, of being rushed. I don't think that it was intentional, but that kind of played into the mindset of getting ready to take this medicine. And we also had it in our minds that the medicine was gonna take two to three minutes to take effect. Whereas when I went to get my shot, first of all, I had a little bit of an adrenaline rush, like, oh no, do I really want to do this? And then it was too late. And I went full balls to the wall out of my body in 30 seconds. Wow. Four shot one. I didn't even hear the prayer that was being said or the invocation that was being said. Uh, during everything when everyone was getting a shot and uh, I'm, I'm curious to hear as that compares to yours but as not to get convoluted we'll save that <laughs> we'll um, keep, keep them separated yeah I I yeah it was really really fast for the first 30 seconds I heard the person doing that invocation walking around the room and it felt like I was listening to someone come really, really close to me and really, really far away and really close and really far away and really close and really far away. And then I was completely lost in it. And it is so extremely hard to describe something that's in your mind's eye. But the best I can explain is that the plan was that we would have our first shot, that they would wait 50. 15 minutes or 12 minutes it's 12 to, yeah 12 to 15 and then they would come back and ask us if we wanted a second shot so that's the setup for I am one and the idea of the second shot is a therapeutic tool to prolong um, the experience and maintain a certain dose of the ketamine in your system so that you can actually go through it and yeah. really 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 and, be in it right and the second dose is a lower dose but we, I don't, because we're naive to this situation, I think many of us were worried that it would actually increase or didn't really know how it was going to affect us, that second dose. 
Um, at least I was. So once I got into the situation, which felt like the lights slowly, like you were wearing a mask, we're wearing eye shades, which is a, uh, they're blackout masks. And the light got somehow darker. I literally thought they were closing the windows and turning the lights off in the clinic because somehow I went from pretty dark to darker, 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 like it folded in on itself and somehow became the blackest black. And I realized as I'm saying that it sounds scary, but it really was not. It just was a, an observation. It was really, really black. And I could feel space around me. So imagine closing your eyes and you're walking around a room. Even if you don't run into a wall, you know where that wall is. It felt like there was a wall about a foot to my left and the rest of the space around me, which was not any kind of space, not a room, not a place, not anything, uh, tan <laughs> tangential space <laughs> was moving and shifting and twisting in all different kind of ways, in rippling ways, in kaleidoscopy, spiderwebby ways. And that, that was my first 10 minutes was, and I, and I saw, and I say saw in my mind's eye, some slight variation of color, whether it was gray or like a bluish wave color, but it wasn't like I was seeing something like a hallucination, which I wish I would have. I, I was hoping for something crazy like that. <laughs> Uh, but it was like I was imagining what that color would be. I didn't see it in front of my face. I did not see it with my eyes. I saw it with my mind. And <clears throat> I was also, at the end of about 10 minutes, starting to come out of it enough to remember that I'm going to be getting another shot and distinctly remembered thinking to myself, I do not want this to continue. Not because it was bad. It wasn't scary. It wasn't awful but I did not feel I needed to be in that space any longer. And also at that point, I didn't want it to get worse because it was really disorienting. And so when they came around, I was a very firm, no, I don't want a second dose. <laughs> it sounds to me like you wanted to feel more grounded again. Yes. And I definitely did feel more grounded after that. There was also some external stimuli happening in the room that pulled us out a little bit more than the IM2. And we controlled for that afterwards, which is another good thing to know. But the first IM dose, there was some ambient noise on top of the music we were listening to. And it definitely pulled me more into the physical space. I was still out of it. I still felt kind of loosey-goosey. And not really, I, I do remember at one point thinking, well, I guess maybe I'm not breathing and I'm not really sure if I'm breathing, but if I take a deep breath, are they going to think that I'm in distress? It was this very weird circle of thought <laughs> that made no sense and definitely reminded me of my dreams. When you try to explain your dreams to someone else, it makes no sense, but in your dream, right. it makes sense. Right. So I remember taking a breath and then thinking, oh, I hope they don't think I'm in distress or then I then I hope they don't think I'm not breathing. And I could tap. There was a chair that I was sitting on had cloth. And then at the very end where your hands would be, it was a little wood piece. 
And I distinctly remember feeling that wood piece and that made me more grounded to the space. And then I would slowly, oh, I did, I did think at one point, well, if I stop breathing and I die, then I die, whatever. Like there, there, I didn't go into this with death anxiety, but I certainly did not come out of it with death, death anxiety. It was very much like, well, if I die, I die. All right. Interesting. Did you feel at, at peace with that almost? It's hard to say because I'm not really not at peace with it now. Right. Or right, before. Right. I mean, we but are it, in this work, aren't we? Right. But it definitely was more of a complete ambivalence. Like, okay. whatever. Interesting. I was not concerned about anyone else's feelings about me dying either. So. Yeah, yeah. So then would you say, you know, going into it, we talked about intention. Mm-hmm. Um, coming out of it, is there anything a part of that experience for you that is relatable to your intention going into it? I did not, and I remember hearing myself say this, I did not really have an intention going in so much as I wanted to see what that was going to feel like. I, I really had a fairly enjoyable lozenge experience where it there was some shape. There was some, at some point, sense of like kind of flying above the clouds and feeling your fingers go through the clouds like it would a, a, way, a ripple on a lake. And I was hoping for more of that, and this was so abstract Mm. and now that I'm saying that I'm even thinking back like even my love of art is not abstract my mom likes abstract art Mm. I like realism so it makes sense to me that I did not necessarily want to continue that abstract feeling I I want to see and think hear and feel things that are more real yeah was there any kind of connection in that experience that you then were able to translate into the following days I definitely did feel more at peace. I, I hesitate to say connected. I guess I did feel in that moment really connected to the people in the room afterwards. But I don't know that it necessarily, for me, translated into a bigger kumbaya of the world. Okay. I did feel less up and down as far as emotions, not the right word. Uh... If you're looking at an amplifier and you have it at 11, it goes really high and really low. And it definitely felt like I was more moderated. Okay. Like maybe I went to a 5 and a 5 instead of 11 and 11. Okay. 11 positive, 11 negative. Um, So maybe more toned down? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I would say that. Calmer. Yeah. Definitely more calm. I'm sad that I did not have any vivid dreams that I remember or any crazy things like that. Uh, now that I have the playlist, though, I'm definitely going to be trying that. See if I can do some meditation or sleeping with that sound and see mm. if anything comes up. But We did have a wonderful playlist on IM2 that, that we can talk about briefly, but our guide did share that playlist with us. And yes. I, I am also very excited to, to sit with it again in a clearer headspace. Well, speaking of clearer headspaces... <laughs> We're going to come back to Katie's IM1 in just a minute because we got into IM2 just a few days ago and I was still pretty ambivalent about the whole thing going into it. I, I really wanted to do it, but not for my own personal healing or experience. It was much more first for the experience to let people know how it was on the podcast 
and for experiencing what a second dose would be like for my patients. I wanted to be able to articulate to them what the difference was between one shot and two shots. And I was planning to go in at a lower dose. Because I think it is, it is important to note that with IM-1, none of us as participants actually accepted the second dose um, for various reasons. Um, mm -hmm. More kind of coincidentally. Um, <laughs> yeah. But we all in IM session one ended up only getting one injection. So a lot of debriefing and a lot of thought went into what our second session would look like um, to try to find some therapeutic value and process it in a different way. And so that was the primary difference between IM1 and IM2. Great articulation of that, yes. Thank you. Yeah, we weren't just out there getting high. We were doing this for, <laughs> for actual clinical reasons. Yes, we want therapeutic value. <laughs> Yes, and, and I really did feel like coming out of session two, I am session one, overall session two, that many of us in our group were still a little unsure about the therapeutic value. Yeah, I think we had a lot of questions, you know. Mm -hmm. It was an oddly incredible experience in its own way, but a lot of us came out of it wondering what to do with it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the second day, second IM2, we get there, and it's a little earlier in the day, which was great, but I woke up not feeling 100%. I felt like I might have been getting a cold or something. I didn't have a lot of symptoms. I didn't have a fever. I was wearing a mask. We were all wearing masks and being safe. <clears throat> However, I already was waking up and feeling not great at the beginning. I talked it through with the doctor. I talked it through with the other anesthesiologist that was there. Everyone agreed that it was not unsafe for me to do the second dose of intermuscular. Uh, but there was also some other talk about some other things going on in the world in general that was definitely not helping my anxiety. And so <laughs> I was wavering back and forth even in the moment. Am I going to do this? Am I not going to do this? And I had taken the anti-nausea meds just in case. And we had the do doses drawn up. We'd already discussed, yes, we're going to do the second dose um, unless you strongly say no, which I knew I was capable of. Mm -hmm. And I felt so just ridiculous for feeling anxious about something I've already done and already know this is a lower dose I'm going into this. There's no reason I should, because my side effects were nothing. After the IM dose, mm -hmm. I should specify. Which was huge because your side effects were so great after the lozenge. Yes, they were enormous after the lozenge. And after the IM one dose, I had immediately put on the scope patch and I did not have any nausea. I did not have any headaches. I did not have that lingering, loopy, apathetic feeling. I didn't feel like I had ADHD I, and none of that happened. Um, so going into the second IM, I was confused to myself as to why I was so anxious about it. And <clears throat> right before we, I mean, they're literally walking over to me. I have my eye shades on. I have my sleeve rolled up. They're walking over to grab my, 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 uh, <laughs> my syringe and asking me if I have an arm preference. And I ripped my mask off and said, I'm not doing this. <laughs> And Katie, to her great credit, gave me the old support thumbs up from across the room. 
And I just told myself, you know, I, I don't regret not doing it. I am a little jealous that I didn't get to have that experience, but I did take that time to be having the experience as a sitter, which I was also concerned that we didn't have time to do that as well. So I did take that time to listen to the music without anything impeding me and enjoying it. And seeing how people look as they're going through their experience where it's all internal and you're just watching body language to see if it's something that you need to intervene with. So I did find it very valuable regardless. Absolutely. And, you know, as a reminder, those are the roles that we intend to be in as that guide and as that sitter when our patients are undergoing uh, this same treatment. So exactly. I think having that perspective on your side is incredibly valuable for for your practice, but also for mine, uh, because we were able to debrief about that as well. And I think too, it, it is a true testament to this therapy is not for everybody, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think listening to your body and listening to your mind and being able to figure out what works for you and what doesn't, we can still find value in this overall experience, mm-hmm. even if you're not participating in IM2 in a psych, you know, not psychedelic in a way, <laughs> in a way, in an experiential way. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Experiential way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So with that said, I did not participate with IM2, so I cannot report on that. Uh, but Katie, if, you would be so lovely as to share your I am one versus I am two experience and tell us how it was. Yes, I, oh, I would love to. I have done a lot of processing over the last couple days um, since I am two. And it's been drastically different for me. Between the two. Between the two. Uh, my lozenge experience, I really didn't have much of an experience, right? Mm-hmm. I am one going into that you know, was the difference I see between I am one and I am two. There are are a couple things. My I am one session, I I definitely had an experience, which was a relief since I didn't with the lozenge. So I am one was an incredible experience. It really did dive really deep into this kind of darkness that Hallie is describing but it didn't last very long. And I just remember being in it. I lost the feeling of my body, which felt like quite a relief actually, just to kind of be free and floating and just attentive to the experience itself. But it was so fast. Like you're saying, like you're describing, um, I didn't have the visual hallucinations, but it is kind of a vision in your mind's eye. And it's, to me, it was more of a feeling too, like just Mm -hmm. a sense of place and a sense of kind of watching this amazing kaleidoscope of imagery. And there was a lot of kind of thought and emotion that went into that, but the experience itself was so quick. I think about 15 minutes is Mm -hmm. my guess on the intensity of it. And I, I couldn't follow it quick enough you know that is another thing when I was trying to catch up with my thoughts and I think we all described this and I am one that first 10 to 15 minutes you would have a thought like in the lozenge 
you could have a thought and follow it. Kind of you, hold on to it for even a Even though it didn't make it evolve. Yes. yes. In I Am One, I felt like all of us in that first 50, 10, 15 minutes, you would try to have a thought and you'd be like, wait, 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 and try to grab try it. Try to grab it. <laughs> And, and it'd be gone. <laughs> yeah, you, you could not process it because it was happening so fast. And as soon as you had the thought, it was already gone. It was like you're trying to remember it and it's on the tip of your tongue and it's gone. And you're, it is disorienting, right? So you're also trying to process not feeling attached to your body for a second and right. trying to navigate being in your mind and not feeling like you're in the room but you know you're in the room you know you're playing back and forth with this kind of cognitive state and actively trying to let it go and so there's so much that you're juggling that now 15 minutes later it's resolving and I think a lot of us came out of that saying well now what (laughs) you know because there wasn't a lot to hold on to and I definitely will say that after I am one I had quite a few days of feeling a lot calmer, a lot more, um, I don't know, kind of at peace. You know, the white noise chatter in my mind of anxiety and all of that was definitely more subdued. Uh, so that was very pleasant. I definitely had some residual benefit from it, but it wasn't as powerful as I thought I wanted it to be or was expecting it to be. And when you were asked if you wanted the second shot and I am one, Yeah, I actually couldn't really process that someone was asking me something. I, I thought, am I, is someone asking me something? Is that the music? Is that my own mind? (laughs) Am I, you know, what are they asking me? I don't know. Do I want another one? Is it going to keep it the same, but longer? Is it going to get more intense? So I just, it was such an odd situation that it felt like I wasn't even able to say yes or no. Mm-hmm. And I think my response ended up being, I don't know. <laughs> so so I did not get the second one, which right. was, you know, I think fine and necessary in the moment. Yeah. 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 So, <laughs> yeah, it was. it's funny to hear because we've obviously done a very extensive debrief about all of these various experiences. And so in doing that, we were then able to kind of put together what we wanted this final experiential to look like. Right. The therapeutic process of the experiential with ketamine is that you have an initial dose and a bolus. So we knew we wanted to try to make that happen. Mm -hmm. So as you said, we did an informed consent process prior with the knowledge that you could absolutely say no if it's not something you wanted in the moment. And if I may add, in between I am one and two... Uh, someone else, one of our other group members, had already decided one was enough. Yes. And, and I think that's one also, second. yeah, that, that also is therapeutic value for us because there's patients that are not going to want a second dose. Absolutely. And that's fine. Absolutely. And I think that is the interesting part of this is it does affect everybody so differently. And so I think the therapy and the insight that you gain from this experience comes from that integration part of being able to debrief and process it with a therapist Mm -hmm. and your guide and and kind of try to discover if that's enough do you need more do you you know what do you need from this yeah and are you getting it yeah I personally (laughs) wanted more because I I still am 
like there has to be more I'm like where is this therapeutic benefit that we keep talking about and wanting and I felt strongly that I wouldn't know how to engage with my patients about it Mm -hmm. you know not having really been in that myself so I definitely opted to do the second I am session which we just completed the other day and I am so happy to report that it was immensely powerful for me actually I was way more therapeutic than I am one oh my gosh I was shocked and I felt that it really it's been days of processing and integrating it frankly it's um so tell us about the actual like we sit down you get the first shot was the same dose that you had the first time right I am one I am two first shot same dose yes so I am session two, we started out, I started out with the same dose as I am session one. It didn't affect me as greatly as it had on the first session. So I sat with that for 15 minutes before the bolus dose and I didn't feel a lot of effect. I felt a little tingly, I felt a little um, disassociation from my body, but ultimately I was still present in the room. I could engage um which is funny because that's how my first initial lozenge section felt like to me right yeah oh my gosh it's so and i oh there's so much to it that (laughs) there's so many variables yeah so i didn't yeah so when when the physician came up to me and said you know i'm gonna give you your second dose are you ready i'm like yes because this is not working (laughs) um so she did so she gave me the second dose which was a much reduced dose because bolus is not the same it's you know just a little a little bump and meant to be a bump to maintain where you are not to make it stronger right correct um and that is what I felt happened actually after that second bolus it took a or the first I'm sorry after the first bolus the only bolus (laughs) (laughs) in about five minutes I really started to go actually into the experience which is Um, just so fascinating yeah, it just, I think it just kind of sent me there, it was mm-hmm. a little extra to send me there. And, and I, you know, I think that I felt more confident in my team and in the medicine after the first I am session. And so I think I did go into this I am too with more of an open mind, more of an acceptance, more of a desire to just let myself go and be in it and so I think that helped me in the whole experiential in general I think it helped guide me through that did it feel like the kaleidoscope rushing feeling it didn't it felt slower it felt which is slower. what I would have wanted the first I am session to me <laughs> yes but if you were anxious you might not have gotten that <laughs> that's so fair that's all the so variables fair. yeah yeah it was it was slower it was much slower in a way that made sense to me where I could actually follow along I could be in it I could find my thoughts I could feel the experience my, I will say right before this experiential that morning, my partner and I had gone to a beach and painted. We like to do watercolor, plein air painting, take it with us and paint where we are. And so we did that and I was able to fall into this experience with that image in my mind, this beautiful, serene water and 
these kind of marine layer clouds and it was a very peaceful experience. So going into that, I held on to that imagery. And subsequently, my experience included water. It included the sea and waves, and they were actually, it was kind of stormy, not the serene bit from the morning, but it was stormy. Waves were rolling, but they weren't aggressive. I felt calm. Mm -hmm. They were just moving, and I was moving with it, and they were moving with the music, and there were these beautiful colors of this kind of lavender purple and seafoam green and you know these blues all kind of integrating and flowing with the music and, and this is the color in your mind's eye yeah yeah because yeah. it wasn't it yeah such a and weird I thing i feel like i have to describe that even though i know what you mean uh, yeah it's more of a feeling right mm -hmm. like it's not as much a, a visualization as it is just kind of this feeling and this experience and i was able to follow that and i will tell you this whole the whole time, I just, I did feel a sense of just peace and a sense of connectedness, actually. Mm -hmm. And I felt my partner was there with me. I couldn't see him. I couldn't talk to him, but I just felt him there. And it, it made sense. Everything felt connected and mm -hmm. peaceful. And this, actually, this session lasted, you know, calculating it. The experience itself ended up lasting, I think, 30 to 40 minutes rather than that, you know, 15 max yeah. deep dive um, from I am one. I am two, obviously, I think because of the, the bolus, carried, mm -hmm. carried through for 30 minutes, 30, 40 minutes. So I could actually follow it and be in it and evolve with, with the imagery. And you didn't feel, I remember you saying you didn't feel like that second... Uh, injection was disruptive at all not at all yeah. no it was so easy I didn't even I don't even remember really feeling it I remember <laughs> her coming up and saying we're gonna do this and I said yes please <laughs> and you know then mm -hmm. there you are yeah so and as I'm watching her because I'm sober I'm not having an experience so practicing being a sitter and I'm imagining like what is she going through how is it affecting her and all I can see she's not moving at all all I can see is occasionally she would have some really deep breaths, like really deep, prolonged breaths. Yeah, and I could feel myself doing that, and it was comforting. Mm -hmm. It was just kind of, oh, I can feel my breath. Oh, I can, you know, <laughs> oh, I'm on the sea. Oh, I'm, my partner's here. Everything is okay. Yeah. Yeah, it was nice. And I do have to say, I mean, I think the reason this was so powerful to me is, you know, I did go into this with the intention somewhat amb ambiguous um but you know it's been a it's been a tough go lately right with our society with our work mm -hmm. you know with our own relationships and <laughs> my partner and I have been having kind of a difficult season lately not mm -hmm. bad but you know we haven't been the most connected as you do sometimes as you do we all go through those and I think I was sitting with that a little bit going into it. I mean, we did have a beautiful morning, but you hold on to those feelings. And going, coming out of this experience and feeling that sense of connectedness to him in it was really, really quite special. It helped. It made me feel like, you know, no pun intended, pun intended, I don't know, but pun intended, I guess. <laughs> but, you know, we can weather the storm maybe. Mm-hmm. Because the waves were so 
it was stormy, but it felt calm and peaceful and he felt safe. Yeah. And so I like to think that maybe that was a little bit of it, that it made me feel confident that, you know, things will be okay. We are okay. This is difficult, but we're okay. I love that. Yeah. And we were able to actually then in my processing and integration, <laughs> oh, poor partner. And He's go like, out the, and go out onto the water. <laughs> yeah. And that is something we love to do. We love to paddleboard on our local lake and we go and we paddle and then we float and we have a lot of wonderful talks. And so the next day we did actually go and have a paddle and I was able to share my experience with him. And we actually were able to have a really deep conversation that made me feel more connected to him. <laughs> so it's just, you know, I think that's therapeutic value to me. Yeah. Walking out of that seems really uh, meaningful and I'm able to integrate it into these different parts of my life. And also, it was really fun to watch you be giggly when you came out of it. I was giggly. I, <laughs> and it was really fun to come out of it and take my mindfold off, my my eye mask, and look over right at Hallie's shining face, smiling, <laughs> even though she's wearing a mask. I can see this smile in her eyes. And I, oh, I take it off, and she just looks at me, and she gives me the thumbs up. I'm like, this must be our theme. <laughs> We're just like, you're okay, I'm okay, we're good. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Symbolic. Symbolic thumbs up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, whew, yeah, it's, um, I'm still processing, you know, there's still a lot of things that I'm trying to kind of sit with and work through, but I definitely now feel a sense of therapy from that. And I do feel more at peace. And I was able to carry that for the last couple of days. I felt just quieter, more thoughtful, calmer less anxious, um, and more connected to my world and the people around me, which is pretty, it's a pretty nice feeling. It's a pretty nice feeling. Well, that's definitely sounds like it could be pretty therapeutic for our patients. Yeah, I think so. I, well, I hope so. I hope so. I think all, all the experiences we all had are informative in every different way that we had them. Yeah, I think it'll help us navigate, you know, if we do ever get this study off the ground, right? Um, how to integrate and suss out who this may or may not be good for and how to have that conversation. And we've definitely grown as a team. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, yeah, if nothing else. Gosh, if nothing else. But I think we've definitely grown in how we want to approach this and how we can best serve our patients who want to experience this. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the whole idea of being able to cultivate a safe space before uh, the experience with the right kind of music and less ambient noise and trying to avoid a sense of rush or... Definitely setting the stage. Setting, setting the stage. Setting the intention. Yeah. I think we, from our own experiences, learned a lot about just strictly setting the space yeah and how to support them mm -hmm. i agree i agree because i think that that is just as valuable to going through this experience is the pre and post mm -hmm. integration process yeah so there it is there's our ketamine journey so i'll be excited to see where it goes <laughs> yeah we'll That's see the last experience for me but 
yeah. it will be beautiful to be able to share it with other people. Definitely. Well, thank you for going on this journey with me. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to journey with you. I mean, as if I didn't feel as connected to you already. Let's just increase that. It's definitely a bond I think we've all we've all found in each other. Mm-hmm. That's pretty great. Do you have any final thoughts on ketamine or anything like that? I don't. I don't. It's an it's an interesting thing. It's exciting. Thank you, <clears throat> listeners, for listening. Yeah, if you have questions, uh, one thing I would like to just add as as a caveat, if you are considering doing any kind of ketamine therapy of your own, which it has been, you know, you don't have to be a hospice patient. It has been proven uh, to be pretty effective for things like medication-resistant depression. Mm-hmm. I cannot stress to you enough that when you're doing your research for ketamine clinics, that you engage with a clinic that integrates therapy and or integrates communication with your therapist. Yes, and has a safe practice space. You know, we've heard a lot of concerns, um, not for our study, but just in researching this kind of a program in general. We've heard a lot about maybe programs that are not as ethical. Yeah, and that's, I mean, I've heard that secondhand from someone that has a client that's trying to do things and is having a hard time communicating, even though their client has given them permission. Thank goodness this client has them to to integrate, but... I just do not see the ethics, at the very least, in place for some someone that's willing to give you this kind of medic- medication, this kind of drug, and not have it be overseen by some type of therapeutic integration. Yeah. I highly recommend having a physician with you and a, thera- a therapist who is knowledgeable in this guided practice yeah, to be able can. to help. If you can get references from people that have gone through it, I mean, just do your research. Do your research. I would suggest that with any kind of therapy, but in particular, psychedelic psychotherapy. Yeah. So, that is my takeaway from that. Absolutely. Mine mine too. Is it promising? Absolutely. Ketamine, MDMA, psilocybin, all of those are extremely promising. There's so many different applications for all of those medications. And I'm excited to see where it goes in the next 10 to 15 years as they're looking at legalizing certain things for therapeutic use. But the caveat is you have to find a safe practitioner. Yes. So please be safe out there and take care of yourselves, take care of each other, find what's good for you, find what works for you. And if it doesn't work, you know, so mom vials it, tell them F off. You're not going to do it. And now I can say, Halliot, <laughs> tell him not to do it. Don't do it if it doesn't feel right. That's don't, right. Don't feel pressured to do it. If it doesn't feel right for you, don't do it. There are a lot of different ways to find therapy um, and a lot of different types of practice. Absolutely. This is just one of them. One of an entire toolbox of therapies. Yes. So, yes, find the hammer that fits the nail, <laughs> as it were. <laughs> And no use spending so many of your hard-earned dollars on the therapy that's not going to work for you. If it doesn't work, get out. Because someday, we'll all be dead. 